Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now, here's your host, my dad, Ryan Scott. My big Ed idea friends, welcome back. It is, um, it's hard to say this. It's actually crazy to say this. It is episode 42 of the Big Ed Idea podcast. Crazy to believe that when we started these shenanigans, um, January 7th of this year with just just a big idea of uh, doing something kind of big for my 40th birthday. And here we are on the 42nd episode and we have got a treat for you this evening um i had the the um i guess the pleasure of connecting with this young lady through the twitterverse like i have done with so many of you out there and um i want to introduce you to my new friend and she is a recent doctor um dr mandy tolan and this young lady hails from the show me state of missouri um she is a mama she is a wife. She is a math teacher extraordinaire. She is an author. She is a tech leader. She is a doodler. Yes, a doodler, which we will get into here in just a little bit. She is a blogger. She is a Microsoft innovated educator and also a Google certified educator. She is an Apple teacher and uh, she's just an all around bad ass. So without further um, Adu, I'm going to say hi to my new friend, Mr. Sorry, Dr. Mandy Tolan. Thank you so much for having me. And I like that you keep calling me a uh, young lady. So I'll take that. I'll take hey, that. you know, listen, I know what people like. <laughs> Call you young. And uh, yeah, that, that normally works. And, and well, thank you so much. yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, like I said, you recently gained the title of doctor. What is that like? Um, that's very long and expensive process to be very honest <laughs> with you. Um, but it's not a process I could say I didn't enjoy. Um, yeah. Part of it along the way, I mean, I think I questioned along the way, but I really did enjoy the research. My research was actually on um, the self-efficacy of teachers when they learn professionally through social networks. Oh, it was, it was a really cool. Yeah. It was really cool. Something I'm very passionate about because I am, I love Twitter. I love Instagram. I love TikTok, And so I like to, uh, I like to connect with other educators through those. And I was kind of interested to see what that did for teachers when they had that opportunity. So then, okay. So one takeaway from that research, what, what is something like a big takeaway from all that research that you could point to? Um, well, in the, the survey that I did, we do have some statistically significant evidence that professional learning through social networks does increase the self-efficacy of teachers. So oh, sweet. That, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I, I couldn't find any other research out there. So I feel like this is kind of new in this area. So I was excited about those findings. I'll tell you what, Mandy, it's very, very cool. Also, knowing that during all this COVID mess, um, I don't know about you, but I've seen like this huge surge surge of folks that are connected through social media. Um, I know myself, um, as I kind of alluded to in the in the show uh, beginning, 
like literally this was something I started because I was bored and um, no, it really was like, I do not sit still. And so I met a group of guys through Facebook, um, some, some guys that had started men and ed Facebook group with uh, Hal Bowman, uh, Martin Silverman, some other guys um, out there in the edgesphere. And uh, yeah, we kicked around this idea of starting podcasts and Hey, it wouldn't have happened. It would not have happened if I had not connected with some folks um, with Twitter and social media and, and all that stuff. I completely agree with you. I, um, oh, about six years ago, connected with a really wonderful group of people. Just, it just happened. I fell into this Twitter chat and met some of, I call them my, my best Twitter friends out there that encourage me daily and it has just grown from there. And so I, I always tell people I am who I am because of Twitter and the you, people that I've met there. You said it perfectly. I, I told somebody the other day, like when I found my tribe on Twitter, um, it gave me license to be who I am. Maybe not. I know you'll understand this. Sometimes if you have big ideas and like you like to think outside of the box, sometimes that's not always encouraged where your feet are. Um, so it was really, it was a breath of fresh air to, to meet people that were just as crazy as I am. I understand that exactly the way you said it. <laughs> cool. I, I completely get it. Okay. So um, you did allude, or actually I alluded that you are an author. What is that book that you have written? So the book is called Make Math Not Suck. <laughs> I, I just wanted to hear you say that because it's such an I awesome. I, all right. Talk um, about this. The idea of this was actually born out of my Google Innovator project. Um, when I went to my Google Innovator Academy, I really wanted to amplify what math could be for students and I wanted them to like it better. And so one of the activities that they had us do is they had us interview our audience. Um, and we kind of made a map to see, you know, what our needs were. And over and over as I was interviewing students for this, they, I, I kept getting, you know, I don't like math, mm -hmm. math is hard, it's terrible. And finally one kid said, listen, math just sucks. And I just knew right then, I said, well, it's my job to make it not suck. We, right. need, we need to make math not suck for you. And so as I was sharing this at my Innovator Academy, um, my coach who was sitting at the table with me at the time looked at me, he said, that's, that's the name right there. That's what you've got. And so I started my blog, Make Math Not Suck with resources. And then the book just kind of evolved from there. So Sweet. All right. So all of you listeners out there, um, I know you will, you will testify to what I'm about to say. I've heard parents and students over and over and over talk about how they're just not good at math. Um, and that's a very self-defeating attitude. So I would encourage anybody out there, check out Make Math Not Suck. Um, if for nothing else, that is the coolest name of a book that I have seen in quite a long time. So Mandy, thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So, okay, I want to roll us into this first segment that I affectionately started um, a couple episodes ago. And, and I'll tell you, all those folks out there, I want you to know that, look, I am just a regular dude. Mandy is just a regular lady. And so I want this to really be a podcast where it's just like, 
you know, people talking about life. And so I want you to know what is going on or what's up at the Scott household. Okay. So today I have two things to bring to you. The first thing this past weekend, we moved my oldest into college, um, which is absolutely crazy to think, um, 18 years ago as a 22 year old idiot, I was, I found out I was going to be a dad and God blessed me with one of the coolest little girls that I could have ever had. And uh, moving her in the Murray state was definitely so, so Friday when we dropped her off, wasn't that hard. I'll be honest. Um, but Saturday when I woke up and I looked in the driveway and her car was no longer there, that was pretty dang tough. And uh, I'm not afraid to say this dad was a little sad. Um, so that's what's going on. Um, but then also, uh, Mandy and I were both talking about this. This is something we have in common. Tomorrow is our first day of school, and I am so excited. Um, something I started doing a couple years ago is I dress up in a costume on the first day of school for my high schoolers because I have uh, car, car duty. And so my job and I think my privilege is to welcome all of the kids and the parents onto the building, into the building. Um, and actually, I'll, our high school is connected to the middle school. So we get middle school and high school. And so tomorrow I'm dressing up as a superhero and I've got a sign that says, um, we, what was it? We, we are super glad to see you. And so I've got like this superhero mask and a cape and stuff. And yeah, it's going to be fun, but Hey, you know, my job is to bring smile to my kids' faces. So if that's the first thing that happens to them on their first day of school and they smile, it's going to be a wonderful day. Um, and so, all right, Miss Mandy, um, this next segment is the two for two, which is our attempt to model connections before content. Um, I know you agree definitely with me that uh, we got to know our kids first before we can start jumping into that content. And so I want to know you more outside of the education realm. I already know that you have some really cool names for books, um, but I also want to know, you know, some other things. So first question I've got for you is what was the last song that you remember singing? Um. I think it was Back in Black last Ooh. night. <laughs> I think it's what it was. A little ACDC? All right. <laughs> That'll work. Um, on my way home from school today, Amelia Dawn, that's my four-year-old because she went to school with me. We were listening to some Eddie Vedder, Pearl Jam. So I was probably singing. Actually, I know I was singing some Eddie Vedder. Um, and so my next question for you, if you could pick up a new skill in an instant, what would it be? Any skill? Um, woodworking. I would like to build. I would like to build things and have all of the skills to do that. I can do it just a little bit now, but I don't have a whole lot of skill with it. And I would like to just instantly be able to build some really cool things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, okay, woodworker, are you wanting to use like those traditional tools like... Uh... Um, I don't so I think I just want to use the big old power tools and uh, have the skills to make, make some really cool things. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really awesome idea. When I was growing up, uh, my dad was in the union. My mom was college educated. 
I kind of gravitated towards my mom. My brother gravitated towards my dad. So I never really paid attention to any of that like mechanical stuff. Um, And I really, really wish I had. But now I'm learning as a 40-year-old man how to do most of that stuff. But hey, I get it. All right. So uh, what kind of questions do you happen to have for me? So my first question for you is, what is your strangest food experience? Strangest food experience. Oh, okay. Okay, the first one that popped in my mind. So when I was um, 18, after I graduated high school, I went to Sweden for three weeks. And I remember eating the most magnificent food that I've ever had. And it was called a kebab pizza. So it is a it was a pizza with like um, a cucumber base and then like kebab meat. So like lamb meat or something. Um, oh, it was so good. And I don't know if that's strange, but that's what came to my well, mind. No, that's cool. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, never. And that was over 20 years ago and I've never seen it here in the United States. Very cool, very cool. All right, here's my next question. If you could have a cameo in any movie, what would it be? Okay, so when can you define cameo? Like, is this a paid position or is this just like a? It could be either. It could be either. So okay. if, if you if you could appear in any movie, let me rephrase that. If you could appear in any movie, what would it be? Okay, so I like to look between the lines. So the reason I asked that. You know, if it was a paid position, I would obviously want like a huge box office hit so that I'd make some money. Um, but if it was just to uh, appear in any movie, um, wow, I- I'm going to be honest, um, Braveheart. Wow, okay. Yeah, so I have a kilt in my closet. Um, and about 10 years ago, some friends and I ran a Tough mutter. Um, did a Tough motor race, and we all wore kilts, and we all painted our face up like Braveheart. Um, so I kind of felt like I was in Braveheart, um, except we got beer at the end, and I don't remember beer being in Braveheart. It could have been, and we just didn't see it. And we just didn't see it. That's right. We didn't see it. <laughs> okay. No, those are good questions. I appreciate it. And so uh, to all of those folks that are out there listening... So the reason I do this is, and I know you know this, but students want to be valued, seen, and heard. I had a really good friend, Mr. Kevin Curtis. He really laid that on my heart early um, in the COVID, during all this COVID madness, we connected. And um, if we can make our kids feel valued, seen, and heard, they will jump through hoops for us. And one way to do that is just to get to know them and to let them get to know us. Um, one of my top 10 favorite getting to know you things that I always did with my students, um, even all the way down when I taught kindergarten was 20 questions. Um, I let every single kid in my classroom ask me one question. As long as it was um, school appropriate, I answered it. Um, Because look, connections before content, and I'll take that to my grave with me. So uh, Miss Mandy, this is the Big Ed Idea Podcast, so kind of the, the name of the game here is all about education, obviously, but it's also about ideas. Um, I wanted to provide a safe space for anybody out there in the edge sphere to just lay it all out on the line, bring their big ideas to the table, 
And hopefully somebody out there um, would connect with you and cause this big old, you know, steamroller of awesomeness. So before we can jump into the idea, I've kind of got to ask you, what do you think is kind of a problem in education? Well, this is going to tie back to my book and, and everything I talked about with the Innovator Academy. Um, I really do want kids to at least not dislike math. Sure. I would really sure. like for them to like math, but my goal is really to get them to not dislike math. And I want them to feel empowered so they know that they are capable of doing math before they leave my classroom. And I would like to help other math teachers empower their students as well. So that's the problem that I've seen. Um, and I mean, you see it on social media, you see it everywhere. Like you, you talk to people, they're always saying how they don't like math. They're bad at math. And so, I mean, even, even with all of the strides that we've taken and all of the things that we've tried to do with our curriculums, um, kids still think they're bad at math. So I want to dig into that real quick. Why do you think that is because you don't have kids or parents walking around saying, man, social studies just sucks. I'm, I'm horrible at social studies or man, I'm just horrible at reading. Um, why, why is math kind of the redheaded stepchild of the content areas? Um, there's a lot of layers to it. Um, because of the traditional way that we've taught math, it was a lot of memorizing. It was a lot of recall, quick recall. Um, Lower level. Right, and making sure that you you can recall and memorize that information before you can move on to the next. And so a lot of students, um, we lose a lot of students with the multiplication tables. If they can't get their multiplication mm -hmm. tables memorized, they can't progress and do very well after that. Um, the next big hangup is long division. If a student can't do long division, then we lose them with that. The next big hangup is fractions. And so a lot of your parents that you have that dislike math got hung up at those spots and really didn't see a lot of success. And then as they start talking to their children, you know, well, I don't like math. It's okay if you don't like math. And so we just kind of perpetuate the problem. Um, and like I said, we've changed our curriculums. You know, even with the Common Core, they've tried to introduce multiple ways of looking at things. Um, but you really do have to overcome that mindset that students walk into your classroom with that I'm just not good at math and, and it's okay because my parents aren't either. Yeah, and it's and it's so sad. Like, so I was a kindergarten, I was a first, I was a second grade um, reading teacher, and I was for a little while I was a math interventionist as well. Um, so, but that stuff starts so early, and it's and it's sad that. Okay, so if, let's see. You start memorizing times tables about second grade. So about second grade, kids start to get this static mindset with math. Um, and you're right. Then it goes, so they can't, they can't memorize. So then they go to long division. So if they can't memorize, they can't do the long division. Then they can't do the long division. So they get the word problems. Well, they can't even attack the word problems because they, yeah, I get it. So Okay, so what are we going to do to make math not suck? Well, one of the first things I talk about is building that relationship with the students. And it is, it is so very important, just like you said, that students feel heard and they feel valued. Um, one of the things that I really like to do is I gather some of these questions like we just started with. I gather information like that from students 
at the very beginning and I keep it um, because at the end of class and I teach high school, my oh, okay. high school kids still try to line up at the door, even, even though, you know, they're, they're in high school. Um, and I don't, I don't like my students to line up at the door because nonsense happens at the door when they're all clustered together. So That's we play sure. a little activity um, where I will pull out some of those questions and I will read the answers and then they have to try to guess who in the classroom they think oh, cool. would have given that answer. So it's kind of a way to wrap up our class at the end of the day and also keep the students engaged, even though it's not necessarily math content. Plus, we get to know each other. So I talk all the time about how we have a math family and we try to build that community so students feel safe to make mistakes. Yes, to be wrong and know that it's okay to make mistakes. Um, I I teach with standards for the sole purpose of saying it's okay if you don't get it the first time. It's okay if you don't get it the second time. As long as we don't give up, it's okay if we just keep trying. That's right. And so relationships and making sure that students have opportunities to fail and still be successful. So those are two of the biggest things that any math teacher can do. Um, the standards part, it's a little hard for people, I think sometimes. Um, that was the biggest, most impactful change I think I ever made in my classroom was when I started teaching with standards. Because in the district that I was teaching in at the time, we had this crazy rule where we averaged our quarters together. So like we taught for a quarter and then that ended and then you taught for another quarter and then you averaged the two together. Well, if a student did really poorly first quarter, there was absolutely no way they were going to be successful enough second quarter to pass. And so they would just quit a fourth of the way into school and they would just give up completely because they couldn't do it. Sure. So when we moved, when we moved to standards, um, so we standards, to, and you're talking about standards based grading. Stan, yeah, standards based learning. Um, yeah. I know I know not everybody likes the idea of that, but it was so powerful for my students. Um, the first day, a student walked into my classroom and said, "I need more help with two step equations. Can you give me some more practice problems?" It wasn't for a grade. It it wasn't so that they could boost their points in the classroom. They knew what they needed help with and they knew how to ask for the help because they could name it specifically. Yeah, right. It was, it has been one of the best things, best things that I've ever done. And it puts that power back into the students' hands so they can take some ownership in their learning. A lot of times our classrooms are very passive experiences where they sit, they take notes. And even when they're taking notes, they may just be copying down what you're writing and they're completely thinking about something else as they're doing it. And they don't really have to take any ownership of that. This kind of puts some of the ownership back in the student's court. I like that. And I'm going to write that down. Students taking ownership. Now, obviously, the next thing that needs to happen um, once you build relationships, once you kind of have a system in place where students can find that success and, and be willing to take those chances, then you need to have some activities that aren't just take some notes, do some practice problems, yeah. take a test. Yeah, yeah. You have to have some fun activities. And so I have, over the years, tried to design a lot of activities um, that will meet different interests of students. So we do writing projects. 
So my students will write stories where there's a math twist to it. Oh, cool. And they're writing a story to go with it. So I do like choose your own adventure stories where um, they write a story that goes with a lot of a math concept we're doing. They build some math problems in and they have a right answer and then they have a wrong answer that's based on a common misconception. And then if the, if the person in the story gets it wrong, they have to explain what the misconception was and take them back through the story. So we try that to incorporate cool. writing and art and music and different things like that. So I can meet, I can meet the interests of students who maybe don't have math as their primary interest, which is a lot of students yeah, a yeah. lot of the times. But what I would, but I would, what I'm thinking here though is as they're doing these creative assignments, they they start to realize that math is involved in more things than they probably realized in the beginning. And I would say that's kind of almost like a snowball effect, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that idea. No, I really like those math stories. I think that's a really awesome idea. And and I'm also a Google level two um, certified educator. So I'm thinking, you know, you can make those Google forms. Um, and I can't think of the name of you. You probably tell me what it is. But if you pick the right answer, it goes to one question. If you pick the wrong answer, it goes to another question. Right. And it's just go to go to page based on answers, what you click yeah. in your Google form to do that. But it's, it's kind of a coding. So even as you write the story, you can talk to kids about just some basic coding that's happening. And they don't even realize that they're, they're doing a basic coding until, you know, like where you're you're telling telling it where to go next. And they can kind of see the structure that happens when you do computer coding as well. That's so awesome. It's kind, of, kind of a cool activity. Um, I would like to take full credit for that, but honestly, I got that from Matt Miller and ditched that textbook a long yeah. time ago. That's yeah. kind of the activity that started me on my journey. Um, when I started this whole process, Matt did it in his Spanish classroom and he talks about it in his book. And as soon as I read that, I said, Oh, I can do this. Absolutely. I can do this in my classroom also. So that's but, another big thing I talk about a lot is find ideas that other people are doing and make your own raise activity the roof. Out of it. Like you don't have to just find somebody who already has an activity done for you. You can see an idea and say, but I think I can change that a little bit. And that can be awesome for my students. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I say it all the time. Math is sorry, not math. Education is not a competitive sport. Uh, we're there to lean on each other. And I and I love what you're saying. Take somebody's ideas, run with it. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to take us back to what you said about your doctorate. Um, getting connected with folks out there in the edgesphere can just, you know, exponentially increase the number of cool ideas um, that you can be exposed to. Absolutely. I am a huge fan of Twitter. Yeah, I am a Twitterer as well. <laughs> a, twe a tweeter? A, a tweeter, that's it. A tweeter, is it a tweeter? Listen, I like Twitterer. I like that's that I like better it. too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so do you have any other strategies? Um, you've talked about building relationships, 100% on board. Um, opportunities, ample opportunities for students to fail and succeed. Um, making sure or working towards students taking ownership. Um, you've talked about that standards-based, um, and I think that falls back into opportunities to fail and succeed. If uh, students know that, you know, um, 
we'll, we'll talk about, I don't know, I'm gonna throw it back to long division. So if the kid, if it takes all year for the kid to learn long division, that's okay. Um, and then last, last thing, just like creative ways to embed math into students' um, interests. Yes, um, the only other thing that's coming to my mind right now um, is just treat them like they're human beings. I think sometimes in that teacher-student role, we get this authoritarian, I know what's best, you know, what's going on. And um, like, for instance, if I, if I catch a student cheating, first of all, at the beginning of the year, I say, I give you so many opportunities to learn. There's no reason. There's no reason. Cheating. Right. Um, and I've surveyed my classes um, to collect some data because I'm kind of a data nerd. And overwhelmingly, students who have multiple opportunities to show their understanding say they feel less of a need to cheat because students cheat because they, they don't want to look dumb. Sure. I mean, really, it's not because they're bad kids. It's because sure. they don't feel prepared and they don't want to look dumb. And so two things will happen. Either they will just not try at all because if they don't try, then they don't own that failure or they'll cheat. And so if cheating ever does happen, I just have a conversation and say, hey, I think maybe you just weren't prepared. Let's just try it again. I mean, sure. it's not a big deal. So you just have to treat them as you would any, any other human being in a very decent way. And you don't have to be that authoritarian. It's, it's, it's a mutual learning experience for everybody. I think you'll, you'll agree with me on this. I spent uh, 12 years in elementary land. I uh, was an elementary principal for a little bit. Um, and jumping into the high school land, oh my gosh, like they are still kids and it kills me. Well, it doesn't kill me. I don't want to say that. But I think sometimes at the high school level, we try to teach them like college kids and we try to approach them like college kids instead of the hormonal, shaving, taller kids that we had in elementary like they're not grown up yet they haven't you know they haven't learned everything they need to about life yet that's kind of our job um to get them prepared for life and so kind of exactly like you are saying treat them like kids because at the end of the day they're kids even if they're shaving absolutely and everybody needs grace everybody needs grace. oh please yes 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 so we, we can't expect them to be right the first time. We can't expect them to always get things right the first time because we don't get things right the first time. No. I model all of the time if I do something wrong. So I was talking to my son the other day. You mentioned taking your daughter to college. I'm taking my last baby to college on Friday. Aww. So <laughs> I know that's tough. Emptiness. I, I, have, I have four children. And so I'm taking that last baby to college. But I was having a conversation with my son the other day, and I said, you know, I try to be very calm and never raise my voice and never get upset about things. But, you know, sometimes it happens because we're human. But I said, the most important thing that I learned very early on is that when I mess up, I own it. I tell them, you know what, I shouldn't have done that. And I'm sure, sorry sure. Um, if I have an interaction with a student that later I reflect on and think, you know, that that probably didn't come off the way I wanted it to, I will apologize to that student. And they are so shocked to get an apology from a teacher because they just don't feel like that's something they usually see. 
Yeah. And so I think it's important for them to know that you mess up too, and it's okay. You own it. You try to make things better and you move on. I love that. I love that. Love that. Love that. And so I'm going to start to wind us down because I think that we're at a perfect spot. Um, we have talked about a whole slew of wonderful things tonight. Um, definitely anybody out there that's listening, you need to listen. You need to pick up the book, Make Math not suck by the newly doctorized Mandy Tolan. Um, you need to check it out because I'll, I'll tell you, she's dropped about four different nuggets of, of realness that um, I can't wait. I'm going to quote her tomorrow with my own teachers. Um, my, my high school math teachers are awesome, awesome, awesome. But, you know, I think there's some things that Mandy is speaking that I think people need to hear. Um, and so, as we wind it down, Miss Mandy, if anybody out there in the edges sphere wants to get a hold of you, if anybody wants to connect with you, um, what is kind of the best means of doing that? Um, you can get a hold of me on Twitter, which is probably my primary social okay. media. I am at Mandy Tolan EDU on Twitter. Um, I also post on Instagram and that's just at Mandy Tolan. And I have recently been sharing on TikTok. I don't have as many <laughs> as I hope to get soon, but um, that's also at Mandy Tolan on TikTok. Awesome. So you may not know this, but I am also on TikTok, but it's um, primarily doing stupid uh, video dances with my daughters. Um, so if anybody, yeah. So if anybody out there happens to see Ryan Scott on TikTok, don't judge. Okay, please. And so to end us this evening, like I always do, I want to leave you with a quote on dreaming. And so tonight's quote, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. And so, um, to everybody out there, to Mandy, uh, thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you for giving me uh, your time because we know time is certainly precious. And so how you spend it is kind of, you know, showing me a little bit of love. So I appreciate it. Um, to anybody out there, if you have any questions, if you need to reach out, if you just want to talk, please hit me up. Miss Mandy, thank you very much for being on this evening. Well, thank you for inviting me on the show. I appreciate the time. Yeah. Hey, thank you for accepting and not running. <laughs> well, Miss Mandy, it has been a lot of fun. Um, we definitely need to stay connected. Definitely, you know, we're in the middle of the United States and, um, you know, we're kind of neighbors. Only, only 10 hours, I think. Only 10 hours. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right. To my friends out there, uh, I'm going to leave you like I always do. Uh, as my grandfather, Mr. John Janowski, used to always say when I left his house, I will see you in the funny paper. hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, 
a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper. <laughs>